real space question here. Okay, we're ready for questions. Questions on Genesis 35. We have one right here. Okay, uh, I'll have two things that I'd like to either talk about more. So this chapter is the fulfillment of uh, what had happened earlier in chapter 28 when he made the vow to the Lord. And then he promised there to pay a tithe or a tenth of all that he had. Yes. And this, that was fulfilled in chapter 35. So could you talk about tithing? Right. That that topic itself is controversial. Some in the churches, whether or not Christians today should tithe. Why is he tithing? Right. So is that a practice that we should practice as well as Christians to tithe? Okay. A specific amount, or should it just be uh, up to the person to just decide whatever you want to give and give? Okay. Or should we even give it all? Or should we give it all? All right. Well, in in reference to tithing, it does mention before the law was given to the nation Israel, before the law was given, it was mentioned twice in once in Genesis 14, 14 verse 20, and he gave him a tenth of all. Abraham gave to Melchizedek a tenth of all. This is many years before the law of Moses delivered to the people of Israel, right? Abraham practiced that. And as you mentioned, in Genesis 28, 28, 22, Jacob promises that when he returns, I will surely give a tenth to you. Genesis 28, 22. This refutes the argument of the anti-tithers that the law of Moses required it, but we're not under the law. That refutes the argument because these two incidents precede the law of Moses, right? The law of Moses is Exodus 19 and following. But now we have in the book of Genesis these two examples. Then when they say that tithing was compulsory, mandatory, it was a burden. And in the New Testament, we're supposed to give out of the abundance of our heart. We, we give joyfully, we give cheerfully. We don't give uh, under coercion, we give voluntarily. But in the Old Testament, it was given under compulsion. That tithing and giving, that's the way it worked in the Old. However... That's not true of the Old Testament. Even in the Old Testament, whatever they did was supposed to be from the heart. Correct? Correct? Even the greatest commandment, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Right? If we love God with all our heart, whatever we do for God, even in the Old Testament, in the law of Moses, under the law of Moses, is supposed to be done from the heart. The heart is mentioned so many times in the book of Deuteronomy as the source of both wickedness and the source of righteousness manifested in external behavior. Another is when God did command the people to give, to give for the work of the temple, they were to give with the right attitude and they are commended for doing so. They are commended for doing so. It says, for example... In Exodus 35, 20, 
Exodus 35, 20 to 22. Exodus 35, 20. I'm illustrating the willingness, the volunteerism of the people. 35, 20. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence, and everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. Then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and bracelets, all articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. And this kind of statement is made here in not just this passage in Exodus, but throughout this narrative of them building the tabernacle. Then we have to ask the question, are believers commanded or expected in the New Testament to give at all? Or does it just depend on the people? Does it depend on the people, whether they want to or not? Or are they expected, commanded to do so as evidence of their fruit and their godliness when they give? In the New Testament, we have several places to consult. One is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9. Verse 3, 9, 3. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we should reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we do not use this right, but we endure all things that we may cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share with the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. But I have used none of these things, and I am not writing these things that it may be done so in my case, for it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about, uh, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. What if I do this vol- for if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward, but if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me." What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge so as to not make full use of my right in the gospel. He illustrates with uh, the farmer, the soldier, right? And even the priest in the temple. He illustrates to say they do their work, but they benefit from the work they do for their physical needs. Galatians 6, Galatians 6, 6. 6, 6 to 10. 
Galatians 6, 6 to 10. And let the one who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. He has some principles here. Verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. This is a principle that's true in all areas of life. It's also... True that we should never lose heart, never grow weary in doing good. Right? Verse 9. It's also true that we should do good to all, and especially to those of the household of the faith. All of these are true principles generally applied in any and every circumstance. In this context, however, he's applying it to the teacher and the disciple. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. Right. So the pupil must help the preacher, the pastor. That's his point. Correct? These are New Testament passages that teach us to do so. If we're to do so, then the question comes about percentage. The Bible Tithe has reference to a tenth. A tenth is a tithe. Tithe is a tenth. That's what it means. If people don't give a tenth, if they don't seek to give a tenth, what ends up happening is they give 0.001 or something percent. Or they'll give 1%. But the average is 2 or 3%. If you ask the pollsters, and when they poll Christians going to the average church, they usually give somewhere between 1% to 3%. So if you give 1% to 3%, let's pretend, to use round figures, let's just pretend that you have 10 members, 10 families, 10 members, let's just say head of household, the, the men of the family. Let's say each one earns $100,000. 100,000, that's his earnings, annual earning is 100,000. But if they give 1%, what's 1% out of their 100,000? 1,000, right? So 1,000 times 10 means 10,000. For the ministry of the church, whether it's to support the pastor or the pastor and the poor, the pastor and missionaries, $10,000. That's all that is. And that's not even including building expenses. If they right. rent a building or own a building, it's not even including building expenses. If they were to give 3%, that would just be $30,000. How is the ministry going to continue with that kind of giving? If they value the preaching and teaching of the word, both locally and seeking ways to spread it abroad... Won't they give more than just 10000 or 30000 a year? I'm talking collectively as a church, not just one individual. I'm saying the whole church together. Wouldn't they give more? So if they did give 100, 
if they gave 10% and that added up to 100,000, out of the 100,000, some would be for the pastor, some would be extra for the poor, and others would be for missionary work, and others would be, if they have a building, to rent a building, or if they own a building, to, for the upkeep of that building. That's, that scenario is impossible unless you have an exceptional millionaire or billionaire in your congregation who wants to give, and then for some reason, and for that reason, then there's a spike in the giving, and then you have some leftover to do all these other things. You see what I'm saying? It's both biblical, I think, and practical. If you just look at reality, that's the way it is. Do we ever go to the doctor and say, I'll give you 1% of the actual cost? Do we ever go to the restaurant and say, I'll give you 1% of the actual cost? Or 3%? Do we ever go to the mechanic, car mechanic, and say, I'm only going to give you 3% of the actual cost? We don't hire people for anything like that. Why is it then that our mentality is so unbiblical, corrupted, and worldly, fleshly, and not understanding what we should do? Well, then... Let me anticipate an objection. I don't make enough. (laughs) I don't make enough, people say. Usually, I'll say in 99% of the cases, whenever somebody tells me he doesn't make enough money, I guarantee you if he gives me enough details about his personal spending, his problem is not income. His problem is expenditure. His problem is expenditure, not income. So when somebody comes and tells me I don't make enough money, I usually don't believe him because I know, statistically speaking, it's not true. If you think about the things for which we spend our money, there are all kinds of things you could cut out, you could minimize, avoid, whatever, and you would have some money left over. No doubt. 99% of the cases. I'm not talking about emergencies. I'm not talking about... You know, an accident, health emergency, uh, earthquake, tornado, power cuts from the recent uh, (laughs) storm two, three weeks ago. I'm not talking about those kinds of things. That's legitimate, and sometimes people have a spike in in need or something, and whoever can help should help. I'm talking about regular daily living. Right. So we do have money, and we ought to give if we really cherish the ministry of the gospel. I'm not talking about frivolous ministry. I'm talking about the ministry of the gospel, the word, and training those and sending those who will preach the gospel. And then keeping some extra for the poor and for maintenance expenses for the building. Does that help? Okay, any follow-up to that? Could, could we give the, the real attitude that a Christian ought to have? Could we give the real attitude that a Christian ought to have? What do you mean by that? You mean well, Second Corinthians? Uh, Second Corinthians, yes. Um, chapter 9, the cheerful giver, verse 6. Yes, chapter 9, Second Corinthians 9, 6, 9, 6 and following. Six, we'll read 6 and 7. 
Now this I say, he who sows, sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let each one do just as he has purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's the attitude. Right. Cheerful giving. Yes. But Dr. Ish, if you don't give because you want to, God ain't going to bless you. In other words, you give because you want to, and yeah. out of a heart that wants to give. Right. If you don't do that, you know, that's, I, I hear people all the time say, well, I gave this, and God didn't do anything for me. Well, you, didn't, <laughs> you didn't give because you wanted to, you gave it because you, you thought you had to. Yes. Okay. Where in the Bible does God say you have to give a tenth? It says you should give a tenth out of your heart. Right, right. So if you give begrudgingly, like he says here, if you give that way, then God won't honor that either. Right. That's why we have to repent. Yeah. If we don't think properly about the issue, Absolutely. we need to repent and have a good heart and attitude towards what we do. Whether it's giving or anything we do, we need to first repent, believe the word, and act accordingly. 